This episode is brought to you by our friends at Bubba Coos Burritos. Bubba Coos, the place for the family. Go get a great meal, chill, kick it. Always Bubba Coos, place to go to. Real show, here we go. Real show, here we go. You know that it's gotta be that time, so this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance? Come on. You and I rocking out with Iron Man FE. You get the general's point of view on top of Roger's rants. Whenever it's happening out, we're putting the most minutes in you. Already know what that's about, you know that winners win. Crush whatever's on task, check the podcast. It's the champ and the tramp, let the bomb blast. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Champ and the Tramp. I have my good friend, Charlie Brenneman, multiple-time UFC vet, former Lock Haven wrestler. That's where we first met back in college days. Um, trained alongside each other many, many years. Uh, AMA, Knicks, uh, even at wrestling tournaments. We'd, we'd go in the wrestling room and spar and stuff. Back in the day when he was coaching ESU, I was coaching at Rutgers. Yeah. We were at the EI, right? EIWA yeah. or something. We're like, Fucking hell. Hey, let's hit spar some round. I brought our gear. We're sparring in the wrestling room over there. It's good stuff. But uh, you, you, now, let's see. Now, your podcast, you wrote, wrote a book, correct? Yeah, I actually wrote two books. It's funny, real quick, before we jump into that, going back to what you were talking about. I have a, a memory. I think you were involved, uh, if not you, definitely Clarion. But we were at a tournament back when I was at Lock Haven, you were at Clarion. And I remember uh, Wright, Jeremy Wright. Yeah, too. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I just remember sitting in a hotel room. You were there. We were talking. Kind of yeah, knowing each yeah. other, kind of not. Yeah. And, uh, and then post-college, you start doing this thing. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And I thought, mm, maybe I'll do that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then that kind of set it all in yeah, motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I wrote, I've written two books. And, you know, I talked to you a little bit about a podcast and and the uh, kind of the mystery behind podcasting and how to grow Dude, and the yeah, ups and downs tough, man it's tough books is very much that way man yeah. it is like uh you know i've heard they're they're basically a business card and then you talk to people and say you know that can be your livelihood it's really tough but when i look at them they're self-published but it's just fun it's neat yeah. it's, it's a thing to have it's an accomplishment and it's probably it's hard it's hard to do i i i don't think i could do that you know i i mean i would maybe maybe with like someone helping me write it but uh putting your thoughts down to that, that that's got to be quite an accomplishment when you finish writing a book it is and it's funny because my first one the first one's kind of like so i come from a pretty small town in pennsylvania and there were just a lot of questions i don't know what what you got and roger with your experience the questions you get from back home but i just thought all right i'll write this for people back home because a lot of questions that hurt how much money to make to meet dana white etc cetera, etc cetera. and i just put together a little book i think it's a great one spent the the second one so much time so much effort my partner with podcasting dread uh he helped me so much man and if you if we would get like return for the minutes that we put in it would be negative be, because <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. we thought it was awesome but it just it didn't take and you Isn't know that crazy it's very crazy i saw some quote you talked about podcasting and it, and it kind of made sense. I think I sent it to you. You said it's yeah. very much feast or famine. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. no, and it's so true. It's, but you know, Roger doesn't remember that I actually read your quote and spoke to him about it, and then he just sent it to me today. <laughs> I know I sent it to you, but yeah. I don't remember. It. Anyway, it's uh, I sent it to you and Andrew, but it's uh, it's very true. I mean, just uh, you know, you think you do it long enough. I, I think we thought you show up, 
every week, which mm-hmm. we do. We never miss a week, and and it's going to be you know it's going to build, it's going to grow, it's going to be it's going to be you know it's going to be an amazing thing. But it's a very slow build sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really is. I talked to a lot of people. I even bought you know a, a course. I paid a couple hundred bucks for a course. I had to grow a podcast, and, and the, I think it was like eight things to grow your podcast. And after every uh, kind of module, I was like, check. All right, doing that. Check, 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 check. Okay, I'm not growing my podcast. Yeah, Why is this? Right, right. And it, it you know it is what it is. And, and you hear numbers, right? Like you hear numbers, millions, hundreds of millions. Uh, it's like, where are those people? I know, exactly. I know. Like, how exactly. is that happening? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's hard to compare because when Rogan got into podcasting, nobody was doing Correct, it. Correct, yeah. But it literally took him, I think, six years mm-hmm. to make money. So the fact that he did it for six fucking years is pretty admirable. What, what was the number somebody get? Robert Frank gave us a little insight, but I, I think there's 800,000 podcasts in the United States. No, I think more, it's, it, that seems... Was, it's more, that was, um, that, oh, yeah, that was the, like a year yeah, ago yeah, or so, US, right? United States. Yeah, United States, yeah. yeah. U.S. or worldwide. And that was like about a year ago, I think we heard that number. So I'm you sure know this, though? Which you, 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 you will appreciate this. Only 10% of the world speaks English. Yeah. You think about that. And think how many people listen to fucking Rogan's podcast. Yeah. He doesn't have that dub. You know Mr. Beast? Yeah. I heard him on, on yeah. Rogan's podcast, but he dubs every video in every different language. You Wait, weren't you weren't you a Spanish teacher? I was. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why you, I, that's you why. just figured out the matrix. Start it. doing yeah, your yeah, yeah. start doing your podcast in Spanish, bro. I've done a couple in Spanish. <laughs> Have you really? Uh, just for fun, like for fun, I had a um, Raleigh Peterkin who wrestled at Penn. You okay, know, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he he travels the world, has some awesome stories. But uh, we did one in Spanish. He speaks Spanish as well. And then I had uh, uh, a series where we speak Spanish with Spaniard, and I would do like these lessons stuff. It never took. It was yeah. I don't know five years ago. But I, uh, it kind of goes with with you know Rogan's uh, kind of motto. But I, I just love doing it. Like yeah, I do right. two episodes a week. I, I read a new book every week. I give the highlights. I have guests. You know, oh, you great. were on the past, yeah. so it's just fun. And if nothing else, it's it's keeping me entertained. That's exactly I, how we look at yeah, it. Yeah, you know, exactly. uh, I get to sit in front of a mic and just talk, which yeah. is good for you know the future for anything I'd get into uh, hang out with my buddy you know have a couple of drinks bust his balls it's always fun <laughs> and honestly we, you know we, we, we met some good guests that turned into we, we were in a fucking movie because yeah. of a, a podcast yeah. guest yeah. we ended up doing the Wim Hof stuff you know with, from a podcast guest so you know all in all it's not very lucrative but <laughs> but it's but in in experiences it is yeah you know and one of my cool so I have some you know random guests right and and you reach out and who knows if someone's going to respond or not and some like crazy guests meaning like awesome guests will respond one of my favorite memories is so I read a book called The Inside Scoop it's about Ben and Jerry's and it's written by their first CEO and it's an older book you know I don't know if it has a hundred reviews but it's not like a super popular book but I read it and this guy's name is Chico Lager, and uh, I wanted to have him on my show. He's the CEO that was with Ben and Jerry from the ground up, and I couldn't find any information online. And I, I uh, did some legwork and ended up writing him a handwritten letter, mailed it to, I don't even know if I mailed it to his house or like the community something or other, and eventually it got to him, he responded, came on the show, and yeah, I have his uh, number, and I would uh, consider him an acquaintance. It was just, yeah, it was cool. awesome. Yeah. Very cool, yeah. very cool. Yeah, you really never know what you're gonna, gonna get out of this. I mean. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm, I'm 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 an opinionated guy politically, more morally, religiously. I'm pretty opinionated. But some people have sat on that couch 
that have very opposite opinions of me, and it, and it is, if nothing else, it has opened my eyes to a different perspective. Maybe and I didn't necessarily maybe agree, but I, I heard what they had to say, and I thought things I thought things a little differently yeah. know, than I did before. So. I try to think like <clears throat> where I'd be, and like I said, I, I I don't know if I've read let's say two hundred books for the podcast and interviewed two hundred people. Let's just say that I try to wonder where I'd be at without that. Right. Like what kind of person would I be? How would I think? What kind of dad would I be? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think of what you would do without. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and and it's so new still. If you think about it, a lot of people. I've been in the podcast for quite a while now. I'd say like listening to them, and obviously doing this. But I bet you there's there's still so many people that don't do this yet. Yeah, you know, don't listen to podcasts. I you mentioned Mr. B, so I speak in schools a lot, and I share my story of Spanish teacher, UFC fighter, and the lessons there, and like kids are dealing with a lot of stress, anxiety, emotional kind of not knowing where to go, dealing with different things coming at them. And, uh, you know, I'll mention Mr. Beast or I'll mention Jake Paul because these kids think that they're just going to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And they Mm -hmm. don't. And I like convey the message that Jake, I remember eight, nine years ago learning of Jake Paul and Logan Paul. And, you know, when you listen to Mr. Beast on Rogan, it's like, Mm -hmm. man, that dude was on online. He would say for like what? 12 hours 18 hours a day or something just on, on a group call with the, all these yeah, but he was, creative he, people he's a strategy guy right like he, he strategically figured out numbers and like at yeah, this but, point but, but, oh. but it took fucking years right, like literally right, he was right. on literally on a group on a, a, a zoom call with five other guys every day for like 16 hours a day That's just crazy. doing different algorithms and testing different things finding out which videos pop here uh, which background which which text everything that's a guy that wanted it yeah you know I mean? it, he wanted it bad and he made it happen it kind of reminds me of like old time fight guys yeah you know who or old nfl guys you know who who way back when they started there was no money in it or there was very little opportunity and they were just doing it because they love to do it mm-hmm. the people now that you see are super successful you realize the backstory to it and for especially for kids it's so important for them to understand like nothing that, overnight right. nothing nothing yeah. nothing yeah. at all absolutely yeah. nothing which yeah. um, which I don't mind, man. I don't. If we're down here ten years from now, pal, and this still was never taken off or whatever you want to call it. And we're just still. I, I'm happy to do it, man. I'm enjoying myself down here. So, uh, um, question for you, Charlie. Yeah, I met you way back in the day, about the time Jersey Shore was kind of taken off. I guess 2010, maybe 2011. That was kind of like when you were. UFC yep. days right up and coming and I met you through Gianni Gianni's yeah. like oh my buddy Charlie's fighting you know so I became a fan because I was like I felt like I knew you you know and then I got to actually meet you I think you were at Gianni's house if yeah I it, so I always thought you were a North Jersey guy I guess I always thought that you're not though right n- no I was no. a kind of a, a I guess a periodic import for what a is, while what is the connection there then? yeah I'm, I'm, James Laval is yeah. the connection okay oh the ra- okay wrestling yeah. okay yep, yep so I'm a re- James Laval went to Lockheed yes so. okay I'm originally from uh between Philly and Pittsburgh. Okay. Rural Pennsylvania. Holidaysburg. Holidaysburg. Yeah, yeah I used to train up the mountain. <laughs> Chris Liguori and Frankie cornered me, I think a couple times in Come PA. Yeah, but yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> I know when I come to North Jersey, it's kind of culture shock for me yeah, because yeah. I'm from, you know, kind of rural Pennsylvania. Sure. And so I, I wrestled a lot, cave and I met James and uh, we became, you know, really good friends. And then I started fighting. I went to East Stroudsburg. I left my. I used to be a Spanish teacher for three years. I left there. Uh, got a GA at East Stroudsburg University, and I had met James. I started fighting Jim and Dan Miller, who you know Jim's still fighting in the UFC. Oh, amazing dude. Yeah. yeah, they were training about fifty minutes east, I guess, in Jersey, and then. Uh, you know, James and his friend Jackie, who's like a family friend. You probably met Jackie. Yep. 
um, they're like, why don't you just move over here? Why don't you just like, you stay with me for a couple hundred bucks a month. And, and that's what I did. And, and so I would commute back and forth, but I would stay here, you know, and that's when I actually before that is when I started training with you and, and yeah. Eddie, but that's, that was my kind of birth. Uh, of life in New Jersey. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, that explains that. He yeah. thought the curly hair. He's like the curly hair. He's got. Uh, from, he's got from Jersey. I literally thought you were a North Jersey guy. No. So you were training at AMA. Yeah. So AMA, yeah. when I first started in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, this was back in. I taught from 04 to 07. So this is like 06. I, I saw you sign. What year did you sign to the UFC? Uh, 07. 07. So yeah. literally, I was teaching Spanish in between classes. Got online, saw that you signed to the UFC, and then I was like. Mm, maybe I'll do that because I didn't I, I, I didn't want to be teaching I missed wrestling I missed like the discipline and everything that went with it and then I saw him sign I was like well I know that guy you know like I'm kind of like him maybe I can do that and and then that kind of you know flipped something in my mind started training locally and there was not a lot there at that time and I, I linked up with, with a great group of guys for a little while and I thought I want to take this to the next level and then Got my G at, at East Strasburg, and then little by little started training. At that time, I was training early on with, I think I started training with Eddie Alvarez, I think, before you, because he did a clinic um, in PA, like at randomly at the gym I was at. And then I started training with him off and on, and then reconnected with Frankie, and, and those two, and Chris, like, really, uh, you know, really got me started early. Mm. I would travel. <laughs> I was telling him when I kind of when I come east and I cross over into that PA jersey, I get nervous. Like when I get beat up because for the longest time I would just drive and they would kick my ass and then I'd be like, oh, and drive home and then drive back. Yeah, that was, oh, dude, that was the one time. The one time you want to tell it? Oh my god! Oh Let's my hear it. god! Let's hear it. We're in like a gym. It's it's like a holiday too, right? It was a holiday. It was, yeah. like, a, it was like a, I don't know what that was. Like Memorial Day. It was Day. Memorial Day oh, weekend. Okay. Yeah. Memorial Day week. So I think it was on Monday, and. We're, me, him, we're in a gym that's closed. No one, they don't think no coaches were there. Hmm. It was just us three. Someone let us use their gym. Was it Kevin? Yep. Mulhall. It's Kevin. He's the, the referee. Um, oh, yeah. It's me, him, and, 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 and Chris, Chris, Lori, all training, just rotating rounds. Chris, they're sparring. Chris throws a head kick. Boom. Charlie's like, oh, oh. And I'm like, what, what happened? I didn't know what happened. I'm like, you know, his toe poked him in the eye. His toe poked him in the eye. Bro, his, I was fucked. I mean, they laugh about it now because he's obviously fine. It was so scary, bro. Because he looked up. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be calm. Hey, I'm like, all right, let me see, let me see it. He looked up. Bro, his eye was like, what the, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. I'm like, Chris, you fucking knocked his eye out, bro. Oh what the, my god. And I guess, I guess the eyeball sits like this, and yeah. then there behind it, there's there's a, a bone. Your right? orbital. Your your like yeah, it sits in the pocket, you know. And I guess that got pushed in. He shattered my eye socket and no and I, it went black so i couldn't see anything right and and i screamed because it hurts yeah unbelievably it hurt right away and and i i i it was so hot man it was like 100 degrees yeah. we're in perth amboy yeah. it was like 100 degrees i fell to my knees threw my gloves off and it was black like i see him out of my right eye and my left eye was black and i remember i threw my gloves off and i was reaching my hand to my eyeball because i thought he kicked my eye out of my head yeah and it, yeah. i saw blood squirting because it, it cut my eye my Jeez. my brow and I remember I touched my eye and I was like, oh, thank you. My, my eye's in here. And, and then I thought, well, I can't see at all. It was completely black. And yeah, then maybe after about five minutes or so, it came back and it was blurry. Um, and then we went to, um, I don't know, whatever hospital nearby. Robert Wood, maybe? I don't know. No, I don't even know what hospital was up there. Like. Perth Amboy? Jeez, I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll yeah. I ended up going to, to Rutgers Staten University. Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert would probably remember. But, man, it, it was terrible, and I got so nauseous and thrown up. It was just terrible, man. Yeah, I, I had to get surgery and... Like, all in all, it worked out, but, bro, it could, that was fucking scary, bro, because I was like, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I'm like, you know, I'm, fuck, everyone gets hit in the eye, and it was like, he's just like, literally, his eye was like, Phew, the other way, I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Did you I have thought, that, you actually had that reaction? Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I like, walked away, I was like, whoa, I was like, holy <laughs> oh, shit. Man. In the pain, like, I don't know, I mean, it, just, it hurt so bad, and uh, I remember, I went to the hospital, or the whatever, the, I don't even think it was a hospital, but I don't know which one it was, and I remember they gave me a hit of morphine, and I remember it was so hot there. And then I went into the emergency room and I was laying in the bed for, it, it was at least an hour, hour and a half, f- shivering now because I'm soaking wet and I'm in air conditioning, I'm freezing cold. And I remember they gave me morphine for the pain. And I remember it just feeling like going through my veins and then immediately vomiting. Like oh, I just wow. felt it go and then bleh, and threw up everywhere. Yeah. And like I couldn't do any, I couldn't, no pressure because my eye was broken. Yeah. Um, it was terrible, man. How long? How long was that recovery for that? You know, surprisingly, it wasn't that long. Yeah. So that was in May. I was supposed to fight that next Friday. Mm. Um, I didn't fight, and then I fought John Howard in September. Okay. And I want to say it was like seven weeks when the doctor at um, super cool guy. Like I met him a couple times after the surgery and everything. I ate with him at a deli here in Jersey somewhere at Rosewood. Um, I I could have fought like seven eight weeks after oh wow yeah wow. so it healed up pretty quick mm. but they put like two little mesh plates in and it basically it's a little bit worse vision than my right eye but really for the most part it's back fucking to normal. chris bro fucking loser chris <laughs> <laughs> ruining families everywhere it was scary man that's that was, i can't that imagine was, bro yeah. reminds me of that saying the dana saying so you think you want to be a fighter i mean people have no idea what you guys actually go through it's crazy yeah it's a, that's a freak accident too yeah. you know you don't you don't i mean how many people get head kicked and they fucking don't think about it? Yo, Toke Bro, what are you talking on. about? You got a, you got a chunk of your ear kicked off. I know, but I'm saying that's... You ever hear that story? Jim Miller yeah, yeah, yeah. kicked him in his fucking ear and a piece of his ear went flying Early off. on, yeah. But I'm saying, it, you know, I can still hear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, and I feel like he pulled it. You know, it was just everything right. Or like we were wearing pads. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I, I probably wasn't wearing headgear, but we weren't going super hard. You guys were pretty generous. Yeah. And uh, it just happened. Yeah, no, shit happens yeah. in, in this game, man. That's for sure. But it, hey, you got a crazy story about it. I, I yeah. Guess, you know? yeah, I write about it in my book, in my first book, but it it's, uh, gets pretty in detail about it. But, yeah. you know, it, whatever, it is what it is. And, and you know, the sentiment, Roger, Roger, what you just shared, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, it didn't deter me at all. You know, I think I just knew. It was really weird, too, with fighting because I'm such a, I, I was and I am a really passive, like, kind of quiet um fearful type of person generally like I don't want to piss anyone off whatever mm. uh, but I just like I saw you sign I was like man I'm so I was so bored with what I was doing and I thought I know I can learn that like I know how to wrestle and I can learn how to fight so it was just it was weird because uh normally I, I don't know I just hesitate with stuff or or maybe I hadn't stepped outside the box at that point in my life yeah. uh, up to that point and then I just did and, and kind of felt like that was definitely what I wanted to do so trying to get back on the horse yeah. as soon as possible well that's awesome that I mean fuck that's a great example for when you go and have these do these talks like you're on the fence, like, yeah, I'm going to try this. And you didn't just try it. You got it. You made it done. You yeah. got it done. So yeah. You fought some big name guys, bro. I mean, you you came on the scene at welterweight, right? 170. Yeah. Yeah. You fought Johnny Hendricks. 
I fought Rumble. Rumble Johnson, yeah, bro. The, I mean, I, I mean, you you didn't just fight Cans of Corner there. You you were up against some stiff competition, bro. You were, yeah. You, you 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 definitely were tested. It was weird too because I did better at seventy. Like I was a, a pretty small seventy pounder, definitely yeah. not a big seventy pounder. But I did better at seventy than I did at fifty five, and I don't know why, you know. Yeah. But it just just how it happened. Was that a tough cut for you? N- no, neither really were. Really? Um, you know, when I fought at seventy, I I would. I don't know. I, I, fight night, I'd weigh 76, 77. Yeah, you know, yeah. Rumble and Hendricks, I'm sure, were up over 200 on oh, fight absolutely. night. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I felt comfortable there. And then when I got released and I was trying to come back, it, pretty much from, you know, Joe Silva's mouth to my manager to mine, it was, you, you got to come back at 55 or, mm. or it's going to be really hard to get you back. Right. And, uh, you know, so I just, from wrestling, wrestling instills like so much discipline and it's just not normal like no, even more so than fighting i think because wrestling oh, yeah. is constant yeah. like yeah. it's yeah constant discipline constant making weight constant work constant suck basically is it still the same now because football is definitely not what it used to be i mean is wrestling what do you mean still what do you mean how's football not not what it used to be what do you mean i mean in the uh, if you watch old school football the hits they used to take compared to what is like illegal rougher, now like rough it's rough it's not as, uh, yeah wrestling's still the same still it's the same. roughness rough, it doesn't it didn't get softer if that's nah. techniques definitely different from from you okay. know back in the day right. but football not more rules and regulations no, but even football now. like football is so much faster so much more athletic now but Correct. a little bit more different because of the rules yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. and I think that you and I Frankie and I were talking earlier you know the kids are getting better so much younger now right. with wrestling oh, and yeah. probably with anything really everything yeah in the internet you gotta give yeah. like in wrestling it's flow wrestling is making kids like kids are my kids all over flow Looking at stuff, checking stuff out, trying shit. They got you know foreigners. Andrew's in the building. What's up, Eric? what's well, up, man? Buddy boy. It's Charlie here. Hi, Andrew. What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that 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 just these kids get so many looks. We didn't have that at all, dude. And all the uh, it is crazy. And I'm so when I left teaching and started fighting, I just lived in a bubble, a bubble that was fighting. And I, like uh, I was telling someone the other day, like Barstool Sports, I feel like I was fighting when that came out because I have no idea what it is. Yeah. I mean, now obviously I see it all around. I just know about the pizza guy. Yeah, that's exactly that's yeah. what I know. Yeah. But like I feel like these things happen when I was fighting, and I'm kind of disconnected. Flow is another perfect example. There's so many things and kids uploading videos yeah. and things to watch, and it, it's insane. I got, the way I got it him is. on that one. Yeah, I want to get all three. I got you, got you. Cool, cool. Stop telling him what to do, Frank. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. uh, I didn't know. I still don't know what Barstool Sports is. But yeah, you got to have that. You got to have blinders on, man. That's all it was. And and like I tell, you know, I'm helping some young fighters now, you know, in the gym. And like uh, a wrestler. And, you know, it's tough. Wrestlers don't always transition to boxing. You know, we're all a little stiff, a little bit. It's, it's, It's not an easy thing. And I'm just like, dude, shadow box all time. I said, bro, when I, I mean, I still kind of do. I fucking get boned up. I start, I can't help it. I start shadow boxing. I used to shadow box all the you fucking do. time, all the time. You, I still do it. I have, do. have that habit. I, I see. But you I used doing to it. even do it like so much more when I was trying to get. You just got to get, you know, got to get obsessed. That's what it is. You want to get good at something, you need to be obsessed about it. One of the things that I'm, I'm like, kind of continually fascinated about. So. When I was, I lived in PA and then I came to Jersey and I never moved fully over here. Like I did live here in North Jersey for a period of time, but I would go home on weekends. I would come back. If I would train on like a Monday night and not again till Tuesday night, I'd go home, come back for Tuesday. You know, it was, it was a lot of back and forth, but it was tunnel vision and, and New York and New Jersey traffic sucks completely. Mm. And going 78 back to PA, I would train, you know, sometimes it was in Philly. I would travel sometimes three hours because of the traffic on 76 
and or come over here to Jersey and traffic in and out of New York and New Jersey. It's just, it sucks constantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like travel three hours, train for an hour and a half, travel three hours and think nothing about it. Is that crazy? And you couldn't pay me a thousand bucks to do, do it that. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like no way I would do that. Yeah. And it, to me, it's like that the, the 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 fascination with your values evolving over time. Well, first, like you would, for, first of all, Charlie would cost you a thousand bucks of gas. It, it, it would cost a thousand bucks. I went to Pittsburgh yesterday to do a speaking gig, and then coming over here tonight. Yeah, it, crazy. It, you know, yeah. We, uh, yeah. we, we owe him some money. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to ask you. You mentioned it, but are there things that you think of and, and you're you're probably living through this now, right? Because because I'm done and I've been done for years, so I'm like so I'm, I'm into it. Are there things you think back on now, and you kind of mentioned it, but you think like, fuck, that's crazy. I don't know if I do that. I, go, I used to go to the city every Monday, you know? I'd go to the city in the morning, early in the morning. I had to be at Phil Nurses at 9 a.m. and in the fucking Monday morning going to the city that's on the, uh, in Soho. Like, dude, I had to leave my house at 6 a.m. to get there by 9, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And then I would I'd train, shower, find somewhere to eat, and then drive Midtown parking another fucking forty dollars to go train at Enzo's and then drive home through traffic. Like, yeah, that's that was miserable, but I you know, you did it. Or going to Philly in these boxing gyms, you know, like you know, all that stuff was pretty nuts. But uh I remember when I was living in North Jersey, I lived in East Hanover and AMA Fight Club was in Whippany, mm. ten minutes away. But I would train so much either to try to train with you at Henzo's in New York or, or at, out at out Almeida's and then with Mark Henry for a period of time. Mm. And I remember waking up on Tuesdays at 5.15, driving an hour, 15, hour 20, train for 60, 90 minutes with Mark, make it over to Ricardo's for sparring at whatever, 9.30 yeah, or 10, yeah. and, and just like a murderer's row of guys that were there, <laughs> and then get in the car and drive back to Jersey. And crazy. It is crazy. It's also that young-minded, you know what I mean, shit you just wouldn't do now because you're older. And, yeah. I think when you're younger, you're hungry because you got nothing. You know, Bro, not, nothing. Not, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Like, I feel like I feel like it's because Jersey is a little bit of a commuter state. It is. People drive. That's what we do. Right. A lot of people don't. It's tough. It's you want to be a fighter in Jersey, you got to fucking really want to be a fighter. Everybody that comes Cause here, because the weather, because the, we- the weather sucks. Um, traffic traffic sucks. It get is expensive. You know what I mean? Like, no, there's not one. Now Nick kind of, Nick kind of yeah. built it. You know, a lot of guys just go to that one spot. But st- you know, we have guys from North Bergen that drive down. But think of yeah. everybody that comes here from a different state. Cody being one of them. Corey Anderson yeah. who moved here. They all talk about like fucking to to be a fighter in New Jersey. Like you, you gotta travel. You gotta put miles on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And think of like your early fighting. Your how? Because I, I would ask you. I, it was almost like I got uh, not validation, but I like. I felt better knowing how much shit you were putting in because I felt like I, I'm like, oh, am I the only one in the world that's not doing the training? But the driving, it's like, oh my yeah. gosh, the driving. And then you would share with me how you were driving here and there and bop, bop, bop. Yeah. And then in my mind, I think it kind of worked out. Whenever Nick's place came to be, I remember feeling like relief for you being <laughs> like, oh, that's so great for him. It's right there. Yeah. No, it, it, honestly, as I got, I mean, I still drive. I still drive on Mondays and Fridays at Ricardo's, which is like about an hour drive. You know, I, I still 
still my strength and condition places a half. Like I still fucking put some miles in, you know. But it's almost like I'm used to it. I, yeah. gotta, I don't. I gotta. If I have to go drive right down the road, I might drive around and have a coffee, <laughs> listen to music a little bit. That's podcast. how you. I was gonna say that's how you got to be a podcast guy, bro. Yeah. yeah. So much time on the yeah, road, right? For sure. I remember early, you know, before podcasting was a thing. I had an XM radio. I got an XM radio. I think in like 2004 or something like that. Opie and Anthony. Yeah, I yeah. love those Dude, guys. That, they that kept, was a podcast. If you think about basically it, basically it was. Yeah. But the shit they said would never fly and now. do they got away with so much <laughs> shit back then i think the it parodies that well, they now would do, work it would work on a podcast on a podcast now it wouldn't work yeah. on radio would never be on mainstream You're right, no, man. no way the, the 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 amount of like you know one i remember i remember there was one it had to do with a dude it's pretty you know pretty nasty but putting his ball sack in a box of bees oh, and then dude. letting the bees sting them and like whoever could withstand it the most yeah. <laughs> it was like crazy I, i've done that show a bunch of times you've done the bees actually yeah no, not the bee thing um my mind is just swollen, like naturally. <laughs> um, no, because uh, who, who's uh, damn, who's the comedian? Jim Norton. Yeah, Norton. Norton. So I would like I went on a couple of times. One time I had to punch him. I really? Him. Another time I choked him. Choked him. Shit. You were on yeah, Opie yeah, yeah, yeah. shit. And yeah. I got so much inspiration from those guys. Obviously Rogan, but it's funny also. Again, like figuring out what the hell you're gonna do after you're done fighting. You got to figure it out. You got to do something and, yeah, yeah. and kind of match your skills with what you like to do and a little bit of a story that you have or a big story that you have. But I took so much. I still do take inspiration from those guys, from Rogan, from just different bits and pieces. Uh, they kind of put you on a path. Are they still yeah. on? Are they on like serious now? No. Well, oh. um, no. What's his name? I think Anthony, right? Anthony's Opie. So they got beef. Yeah. Oh, they really. There yeah. was like a lot of drama that went on. So Jim, out. Jim Norton and Sam Roberts uh, still have a show on Sirius called Jim and Sam, mm. and then Opie and Anthony split. I think Anthony has his own thing. Opie. Anthony to me was the funnier one, man. He was who was Anthony? Anthony Cumia, yeah. right? yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah. He he could do all the voices. Yeah, yeah. He could, He's been on Rogan quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. was good, man. He was so good. Opie it, was kind of the the one that he was more the level headed guy that pulled it all together. But yeah. Anthony had the range, bro. He was he was hysterical. Bro, Jim Norton, he's pretty he's, raunchy, yeah. bro. Yeah, so, the stuff he says is crazy. Yeah, is. He is so early. So this was probably. I, I may have been teaching, so it might have been like oh five, six, seven, if not oh eight, something long time ago. He wrote a couple books. Jim Norton did, yeah, really? and they were, you know, it's a comedian, but uh, Jim Brewer, his book is awesome. Um, Steve Steve Martin wrote a book, Born Standing Up. It's awesome. These comedians write books, and they're really good, yeah, like yeah. funny, but also kind of life lesson type stuff. Mm-hmm. But his is not life lesson type stuff. Wow, <laughs> his fun, is just fun. nasty yeah. stories. <laughs> He's yeah. East Brunswick, he, right? I think he's from East Brunswick. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's yeah. pretty. He's pretty sexually out there, isn't he? He is pretty yeah, sexually right. Yo, out like there. The shit he says is fucking crazy, bro. I know, but and he actually lives it, right? Yeah, the life he yeah, hundred percent. That's crazy. He picks up trains and shit. Yeah, he says. Yeah, that's another. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Roger. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's another. I know, I know the first time I ever heard the term "cuckold" was from was from him. And I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah. I, I googled it. I was like, "That's a thing." So I'm pretty sure it's "cuckold." Uh, there's like a, a lineage of that word. I think that comes from birds. From birds? Yeah, it's oh, like a, a maybe it's a cuckold bird or, or it's something, but it's really weird. But there's like a real really? history to that. Yeah, Roger never knew what he was. <laughs> now, 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 he's, now, now he knows. I found my home. <laughs> found my calling. That was a uh, on the 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 subject of comedians. You know, when when COVID hit and, and everything was shut down and people couldn't do what they did anymore, I, I became really interested in comedians. Uh, I I mean I've always well, loved stand up and uh, and then. 
I've always every kid I fucking Eddie Murphy Martin Lawrence Jamie Foxx like watching those I, I love the, who's the um the older guy fuck Ber- Bernie Bernie not uh, political um Oh, he's a ponytail. Oh, yeah. Carlin. George Carlin. I remember watching best. He always had a special every year on HBO. I remember watching that always, always. Like, I was always into that. And and to me, like, to be a comedian, you're like, that's like the most bravado thing you do. It's crazy. To stand up there and get people to, like, to control a room like that. It's fucking nuts. I, I'm actually doing, I'm doing a comedy show. You're going to be uh, a... You know the yeah. Emmy Roasted? Yeah. You know Adam Hunter? Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. going to do comedy? MMA Comedy Jam. Yeah, I'm doing it next week. Oh, next week. Like, have you written it? I did. I did. <laughs> I have only five minutes set. Only five minutes. <laughs> Still. But, uh, um, I give this guy mad props for doing that. It's because like, it scares me. That's why. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know. So, um, but I, I had to write it out and all that stuff. But it's it's fuck. I can't imagine. Dude, five minutes? I'm trying... I'm, I'm starting to memorize it now. And I got I to download it, but I can't imagine doing... I mean, a 15-minute sit, never mind an hour. These yeah. guys do it hours. But you know that you've spoken, like, an audience corporate or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to, yeah, many, many yeah. different things. So, like, you just tell stories. I do, yeah, for the most part, well, yeah. I feel like yeah. the, like when you're speaking... I remember the first speaking gig I did, They, were, I used note cards, right? And I thought, like, oh, I can only have three note cards. And it was like... It, now I kind of laugh at that yeah, thought, uh, but uh, I feel like comedians, like it, be, like an actor, I would imagine, just gets into it to a point where it is, it's them telling a story. Like they're not remembering a thing; they are that thing, and they're telling mm-hmm, that thing, mm-hmm. just like you would tell a story about fighting this guy or that guy. But uh, uh, that's like it takes actually. Yeah, stuff, but then, but what I did with the comedian comedy stuff, which I like, this guy Adam Hunter helped me, and he's like, you know, start with something real. And then you can spin into a comedy thing. So that's easy to remember because it's something that really happened to me, mm-hmm. you know. So I, that helps. Is that going to be on video anywhere? Uh, it'll be on Fight Pass. Nice. It'll be on Fight Pass. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I give Frankie that's a lot, man. Such accolades for this. Uh, you're not going to have to hear what I'm no, saying about you. I don't care. I don't <laughs> the, the worst I don't is, care, pal. Is, use me, use me for fodder. <laughs> the wor- it really does put you in front of it. Like a comedian would say, the fighting is crazy. Uh, right, right, right. Of course, but. but like even actors, I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, I'm like, "Dude, I don't know." Be an act, an actor and comedian. It's just, it's, it's tough. Like to be a good one. I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I, me, I, I acted. and I'm gonna do comedian. Like I'm saying, to be a good one's hard. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? To me, stand up is above all. It's, it's beyond acting. Acting, I, I would think, is, is a, you know, some memorization. Obviously, you get to be the character. You become one with the character, but. To stand there, I mean, you're on a film set and there are people watching you, but they're all professionals that are there to to to, to help you. You know, you're up in front of a bunch of people that paid money. They want you to make them laugh. Yeah. That's a different animal. You know what I mean? So, what, yeah. What for you, Roger? What was I don't know a, a thing that sticks out at you or a weird or crazy thing like you mentioned when we met? And I remember being at Johnny's house and and Snooky was there and they would have the MTV would be in the garage and it would all be set up and. We'd be sitting there, and in my mind, I'm thinking this is the most bizarre thing that yeah. I've ever been a part of. It's so weird because it takes this thing, yeah. MTV, and puts it like in my friend's garage, mm. right. and then it, and then wait, that's him, right? And uh, but what for you was I don't know, I, I I don't know your story before that, but for you, what was I don't know, weird or crazy or new about that when it hit? There, there was never a period of time from the time it began till my last time I was ever did it where it ever became comfortable. It was never comfortable. It was always awkward and weird and not normal at all. It never became my norm for me, you know what I mean? I'm a very much like you. I'm a kid from a very small town in Maine. I grew up, you know, there was 800 people in my hometown in Maine. Never in a million years 
did I ever think I'd be on TV? And you got to remember, it's not like I tried out for it or auditioned for it. Or it just happened naturally. A pretty girl walked in a club, you know, 15 years ago, and I happened to be there, and she was part of this crazy madness. Well, actually, that's not even true. When I when I met her, it was before it was even sold. Nobody had even bought it yet. It was just a pilot, you know, that they were filming. So, um, but there was a lot of cameras, and actually, that the first time I met her, there was like two cameras. And then it became, you know, it became like 40 cameras. It became madness. But I, I, I think the only thing that made me like comfortable with it at all was I got to be friends with the people behind the camera. Yeah. And the producers were cool. And I, I still talk to a bunch of them. You know what I mean? So it, it put you at ease a little bit. But then you always had to keep in mind, you know, in the back of your mind, you always had they were ready to pounce on a fucking car pile yeah. up. You know, that's what they capitalize on. They don't like. If you're holding hands, hands, if you're holding hands, riding Ferris wheels, and that, that ain't gonna make TV. They want a fucking car problem. crash, and they want a bad one. You know what I mean? So, you you had to keep that in mind, and you give up a a, a large portion of your your personal privacy. life and your privacy, and and they don't really make that explicitly clear. Yeah. You sign a big form. You did. We all sign them. <laughs> you don't know what the fuck you're signing. You're like, I'm gonna be on TV. You fucking sign. You you are you are. They've got you by the balls once you sign that. So no regrets. I would not have the two beautiful children I have had I not lived through that experience. Um, and, you know, you can always pull something back. I think it made me more comfortable with, you know, exactly what we're talking about, being uncomfortable, you know. That wasn't a comfortable position for me at all. And and I, and I, I like to think in life, that's why I give this guy a lot of props, I like to think in life that you, you grab the bull by the horns and you do those things that, that intimidate you and that are scary to you. And that was really scary to me, especially in the beginning, man. I remember having this, and Frankie's always like, what is, a, what is an anxiety attack? What is it? Well, if there was ever one, and I ever had one, I definitely had one this day. It was, uh, it was the first time I met my ex's dad, um, and it was like uh, end of season party. It was like season one. It was like the season that blew up. No, season two. Season th- No, season two was in my season three. You know, it was like they had blown up. They were like top of the world. And they had this party at a hotel. And I had to go in. You have to get frisked by the police when you walk in. You have to sign all these waivers. And then you sit in a room being waited to call, you know, called up to this rooftop party. And her dad was there, but I wasn't allowed to talk to him. Bro, and I fucking, it was like a 100 degree day. Why were you allowed to talk to him? Because they wanted it all on, they wanted captured, and they weren't they weren't filming that part. Uh, all I the cameras were up on the rooftop, you. so you're just sitting down there waiting to be like called up, and then like hours are going by. And I had this full on that was your favorite part, fucking panic attack. Favorite part? What do you mean? When you're getting frisked by the cops? Uh, <laughs> I had this full on <laughs> panic attack, and I my shirt you could have wrung the water out of it, bro. I was, and now I'm like, oh my god. Uh, then you, and then you know what's going on, so then you freak out more. Yeah. You're like, I'm soaked. My shirt soaked through. Everybody's gonna see it freaking out well anyway luckily they they put us in a room that had air conditioning finally and i sat on the air conditioner for like an hour and then you know i always feel like once the ball gets rolling it gets a little easier but that fucking waiting that anxiety it just yeah so um no regrets man you know i uh you, you can you can look at any scenario in any life setting obviously we had some negative shit that happened in our in our in our relationship but uh you know i i i try to look at it from the positive aspects and of course you know you're a dad now right yeah my so. children are everything to me and i would not have them had i not gone through all that the good the bad and the ugly yeah no regrets man uh, you know you know you know right but uh, like getting your ass i'm saying you know because i know right getting your ass kicked 
on TV is is a really humbling thing, yeah. but it's also freeing because it puts you. It's like you saw you saw me at my worst. You saw me at my most embarrassing. No, nothing to hide. So let's just move forward. Whereas most people don't have that opportunity because they got to hide stuff all the time and they got to feel they got to put on airs. But when you act like you're tough and then you get your butt kicked, nah, I I got nothing to say. I just know? deal with it like I always like I I always, I always say I don't want to go to the barbershop after I lose a fight. But honestly, I just say, all right, if someone's going to say something, I'll smack the shit out of that person. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I deal with it mentally. Yeah. You know, obviously, it's not going to come to that, but yeah. that's how Nobody I on you guys' level, when you would, would you're, you still may be doing it, but, you know, you're, you're Frank, you know, you've walked away from it, Charlie, but, you know, nobody that is on your level whatever makes fun of you it's the, the it takes such on your balls. level but it would be some scumbag yeah. some scumbag will do it right well you shouldn't care about them oh I want to smash them it them. takes time though to not what care is that, about them what is that saying don't don't care about the opinions of sheep lions don't yeah. care about the opinions of sheep or something like it's that it's easier said than done but it with practice I mean is. you I mean, you would know too I'm sure you took a lot of shit for whatever different stuff yeah he's a big comment guy comment guy right? no I used to be I used to be you're, you're right listening to you're right you're listening. You're stopping looking at the comments. He lets he lets what people say get to, to get to. No, him. no, no. A little no. bit. You I, do. I thought you More. meant me commenting back, which I uh, never do yeah. anymore. But reading them, yeah. I mean, I don't think so much anymore, no. really, bro. I you don't, don't care. It's almost. I think like, once it got to the line where they were people were, like, you know, people obviously either like me or don't like me and say heinous, horrible things. Whatever. You know, I'm like I said, I'm always a, I'm a First Amendment guy. I'll support their right to do that. But when they started saying shit about my kids, yeah. if you can eat that and stay on the internet. You're good. You yeah. know what I mean? And I ate it and stayed on the internet. I didn't even fire back at him. I was like, whatever. Just don't look. Yeah. The best you can. Yeah. It's hard. I don't know. A simple, a simple like, it sounds kind of stupid elementary, but a simple thing for me, like how to get through it, it takes time, but, but you could take like the most perfect pizza in the world and someone's going to hate it. Yeah. Right. And when you think of that, it's like, oh, well, then I'm fine. That's a good yeah, way right? to put it. Yeah. Like, That's a good way to put it. It's like you see this hot smoking hot girl. Like somewhere around the world, some sick of her shit. Yeah. <laughs> you told me that. Yeah. You know, you told me that and it, it resonated. That's a true story. Yeah. We were at Xena with the girls <laughs> uh-huh. and the girls went to the bathroom and Frankie and I were just sitting there and just, we've been friends for 20 years. So and this is 10, this is 12 years ago, probably sitting there the girls are in the bathroom and this smoke show walks by we're guys you can't help but to pick your head up and be like and I just caught I caught Frankie's eye and he saw what I saw and he just looked at me he goes somewhere out there there's a, there's a fella connected to that girl with a whole set of problems that you don't want I like, that's a good way to put it that's a good way to put it it, it, Roger, you mentioned something earlier that made me laugh. Not even thinking about fighting. Fighting was certainly that way. It's like uh-huh. I was so whatever. I'm in, in the UFC. I'll sign whatever. Just put it in front of me. I was on a reality show before that called uh, Pros yes, versus Joe. Right. Yeah, I yeah. used to watch that. Yeah. Bro. I used to watch that. I yeah, was yeah. teaching Spanish, and I just on a whim, you know, applied for it. Ended up on it. Did but you win? I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I won my episode twenty grand, and then I won a car. I went Yo, back. Didn't you, and then didn't you win with your brother? Too? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude, that's you, fucking awesome. It was cool. It's on Amazon. It's like two bucks for the episode. It's really funny. And so I'm from Central PA, and and I my wife makes fun of me. So she's from Harrisburg area, and we're I'm, I was born two ish hours west of that. And she refers to where I'm from as being from out west because she thinks we talk funny and different, et cetera. And when I watch that show, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, I, I do sound very different. But that contract. Man, I, I would have signed, signed anything. Anything, yeah. anything yeah. just to have the well, opportunity. You got to remember with Jersey Shore, most of the people that sign those waivers, they're three, four page simple waivers. They're not like they are if you like become like a fixture on the show. That's much thicker and deeper. 
But uh, most people that sign them are fucking hammered at a club. You know, they're handing them out at Karma. And oh, yeah. They, so, so they're, they're you, not. You, they're you not would, uh, if it said you got to give your first three children yeah. to MTV, they would have signed it, you know? Yeah. Dude, my first manager I signed with it was a five year deal. And I was, he was charging me 33 and a third percent. Wow. And Chris Liguori, who is the fighter to me, he's, oh, he's five, five, he's five pro fights, he fought at UFC. You're signing it? Okay, I'll sign it. I signed it. You know, I was making fucking 500 bucks a fight at the yeah. time. I was like, dude, I'm digging holes to really make money. I'm oh, like, this is this is before this, anything, really. Yeah, this is, this is before my first fight. Oh, my wow. My first fight ever. I signed with this guy. And I signed him. You know, I, I have... Uh, you know, my first five fights outside the UFC, and then I get signed by him, and I had to give this fucking guy. I, I won that twenty. I won a twenty thousand uh, dollar Friday night bonus, and I had this guy give this guy thirty three and a third percent. Oh shit! Yeah. Shit! Yeah. I never but I got story. I got out of the contract. I got out of the contract. Is there another? Wasn't there another story? Maybe you can't talk about it. But uh, there was there was a big name fighter that that we all know. I don't know if you want to say his name or not. You signed with his management, and that turned into be a little bit of an ordeal to get out of that. The yeah. woman, the woman, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got out of that though, right? I did get out of that. <clears throat> I got out of both of them. But that was a, she, that was that it, was a little bit of a nightmare, wasn't it? Um, no, it, it could have been. Okay. It could have been a nightmare. I was gonna say that, man. Like on top of everything else, you have to worry about. On top of everything yeah. else that you got going on, you have to worry about that. And, and and not whether it's intentional dishonesty or just happens or whatever. Like right. the last thing you want to worry about is trusting someone right. with. Money, you know? right? And it's especially in in the MMA space, man. It's, it's, well, especially in two thousand five, it was so fucking new. But you know, I mean, at least like in football or basketball, there's eight. Like, do you get these guys get picked up by professionals? Like, professionals are dealing with their shit. Like, it's all been done before for them. Like in two thousand five, it's never been yeah. done for anybody. You know, right. I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, and. I, as I get older, I remember things, and I think like, yeah, I really remember that. Did you really say that? Um, Isn't that some weird how memory works? Yeah, like I think you were talking about a. I think your buddy at that time was representing you to some degree. Yes, a, and yeah, I asked yeah. something about being a champ, and you said, "Well, they you know they don't do anything until you defend your belt. Like right, right. meaning, uh, even though far, you're a champ, yeah. like to to really get clout, you had to start defending it. Yeah. Then you well, start to as far as pay per view points. Yeah, it's like you fight for a belt. If you don't not the champion, you don't get pay per view points. But once you're the champion, you usually get pay per view points. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I fought in the UFC. Uh, I think it was 2009, and then I was out for a little bit to like the end of 2014. So like about three and a half years in the UFC, but over a five year span. Mm -hmm. And man, I remember the names of people, and I I re remember like the, the the stuff in the airport. I feel like it's a whole different world now. Like it's 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 elevated since that time to now meaning uh, yeah. like they clean house of the people they have their own service that does the, the, the performance institute like none of that stuff existed right. yeah. at all it's, it's, it's honestly it's a game changer it really is the, the, the institute you, you go they, they have the best PT people in the world like the girl there she's she was at the Olympic Training Center for so many years and now she's there to me she probably gets more reps at physical therapy than anybody in the world and she sees men women all different types of injuries the facilities there are sick you you know, um, shit, Clint, Clint, uh, what's his last name? He wrestled at Cornell during our time. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 Wattenberg. Wattenberg, yeah, Clint Wattenberg. He's my nutritionist. Yeah. For nothing. Because the UFC, he works for the UFC, or PI, you but know? It's not, it's not just you that says that, Frankie. Every fighter. Yeah. I haven't heard one fighter Bro, not honestly, give that honestly, like, if, amazing if, accolades. If say this was, two, this was around when we, when we started, <clears throat> it, it, I mean, of course I love living home, and that's why yeah. you know, I wanted to, we built it here, but... 
it would be pretty smart to go out there and, That's and, what and, and live Cowboy there. Cowboy And did. live there, dude. Drove his RV out there. Bro, his RV is parked in the parking lot. Parked at in the, the PI. parking lot because at the PI. because and he said, "I wish this was around. For, I would have done this every yeah. single fight." But like, uh, but like, yeah. so, so you have uh, strength and conditions covered by the PI. Your diet's covered by the PI. You can go and eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the PI. It, it just you just have physical to be under ther- contract. Yeah, physical physical therapy. Every you can go every day if you want to make an appointment at the PI. You could bring your coaches. Your own. There's no coach. There's no coach. That's the one thing you need to get. Your coaches. You could go and train at the gym and everything. It's, it's wild, man. That's insane. I had no yeah. idea. I never talked yeah. to anyone about this. Yeah. So as long as you're under contract, all that stuff, you just first, you just go there yep. and you just do yep. it. It's like every time I go, like if I say I go, I go out for, I went out for a week. I booked training therapy. You know, every day while I was out there. That's and crazy. Take care of it. Yeah. It really is funny to think back. Like I use NFL guys just because I think of like leather helmets and the I don't even know fifties, sixties, whatever playing football. Them looking at today's being like, oh, those guys, they got this down there thing. I feel like that guy. I remember when I started fighting. There, were, there was guys who started. I don't know in the late nineties or mid nineties who were the kind of OGs then. And then, and then I look now and I'm like, well, this is a whole. Di- I don't even know yeah. this language anymore. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't know it. I feel like that was the era, the era you were talking about, whether you're talking about fighting or football, you know, you go back to like the Tank Abbott eras or whatever, yeah. you want to talk about fighting. Those guys were more gritty. Those guys were more, but probably Those not. sucked. No, listen, let me finish. But nowhere near as technically sound yeah. and as well put together as fighters. Those guys would get smoked against, you know, Nagano would fucking yeah, kill any much, of those honestly, guys. Honestly, but it's pretty much. But they were, they were just grit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah probably more so, yeah, those guys. But I mean, uh, Every sport, though, you yeah. go, you know, every football, like, listen, the mile keeps getting fucking uh, faster. Uh, faster, faster and faster, right? right? The right. marathon keeps getting faster and faster. It's going to happen. Dude, I seen someone put, it was 1932 Olympics or something like that, and a guy on the pummel horse, and then it was 2012, so this guy goes, and lands. 2012, this guy's like, yeah. boom, lands. Fucking eight, eighty year difference. Yeah, like how, like how much the human, right. yeah. fucking evolution it just excelling. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah, it's just amazing. The high it's jump changing form. You know, the yeah. high jump changing form. The miles by perfect example. Size of guys. Yeah. And what's crazy too about that? You see the guy uh, when the first guy, like nobody could break the four minute mm-hmm. mile. Nobody. As soon as one guy did it, fucking everybody started doing it. Yeah, you know what I mean, I've read that, that example in several books on how there's just like um, I don't know, uh, I don't know, self governing self governor theory, something like that. Mm-hmm. But we just set these limitations, and then someone breaks in. I mean, honestly, on a, a much smaller, less whatever revolutionary, I never thought of doing anything, and then I saw you do it, and I was like, whoa, he's yeah. EWL and I'm EWL. Yeah, Shit. Bro, that's, that's honestly Kashek, Kashek doing yeah. it, fucking Ultimate Fighter show. I'm like. I'm like, dude, I see that guy all the time. What the fuck? Yeah. He's, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah. You know? I always give the example of you, and I say, like, I, I touched him. I, I, I was in a room with him, and, and that, like, changed my thinking. Yeah. It is true, because if, if not that I'm a mountaineer, but for some reason I'm a little obsessed with watching movies about it, if a guy, if a peak is unclimbable and somebody climbs it, it seems like then everybody, everybody starts yeah. climbing it. Say, no, you it's Mount done. Everest it's, no, was doable. unclimbable yeah. for for the longest time and, and finally when it was done now people climb it I feel like people climb it for vacation now you know yeah and a, a, a weird thing with like a, it's kind of deep but you know we talked about comedians talked a little bit about COVID you being on MTV you know the UFC people ask you have an image of things and of people and then of the president right and then you realize like oh they're just humans they're humans in a role right. and that's it like Oh, MTV is actually just a bunch of regular people with cameras, and then they pay a bunch for marketing and advertising, and then it's this thing. Um, Watching documentaries, I remember 
uh, what's it, uh, Echo Canyon, something at Echo Canyon. And it was about like 60, in the 60s in California, music, et cetera. And they had these regular, you know, actually these really famous people talking. And I'm listening to what they're saying and I'm thinking, man, if that weren't so-and-so, I'd be like, what are they talking about? Right. But because they're super yeah, famous, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's the greatest right. thing ever. When really it's like, is it? Yeah. Or did we just uh, add that to it? Right. Uh, uh. And fighting fighting can be similar. You, you, you know, you, you, I remember meeting uh, Matt Hughes. I was like really starstruck when I met Matt Hughes. And then seeing Chuck Liddell and Tito, like they're, th- those two specifically, Chuck and Tito, I remember meet, seeing them and being like, wow, they're big, man. Like they're a lot bigger than I thought they were. But then you hear people talking and you see like Anderson, like all smiley and cheering. You're like, oh, they're regular dudes yeah, with yeah. like, you know, as parents, they're a parent. I remember, <laughs> I remember you said, uh, it was on my show, you were on my show and you said, yeah, I won a world title and then uh, I got home on Sunday or Monday and I was changing my kids' diaper. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Like that's the reality of it. It is, you know, I mean, just like fucking Tom Brady, bro, goes wins his seventh Super Bowl, he's still fucking dealing with his wife bitching at him, I'm sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like everybody is. Yeah. And, and, I, don't, I don't know about Tom Brady, but everybody else probably. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, are you still a fan of the sport? Are you still? Did you watch the fights over the weekend? Big upsets this weekend. I, yeah. I only picked one of those. What was the right? big upset? Well, I mean, I thought Rose was definitely going to win. I really yeah, did. Well, yeah, that was. Well, I, all picked, I, picked, I picked Chandler to win, although it could have gone. I mean, you know, Al Kakui's. No, I picked. I picked Chandler. I picked Chandler to win, so I got that one right. And um, who was the other? Oh, uh, Gaethje. I picked yeah. Gaethje to win. So, Gaethje hey, what, what do you think about that the Gaethje fight? The fight itself, or yeah. not making weight, or what? Uh, well, okay, let's, let's go making weight. Making so weight. I didn't see the fight; I only saw the result of the fight. But making weight, there, I, I have a story about Charles Oliveira cutting weight. This was back when he was at one forty-five, and I want to say I I fought well two stories. Uh, I fought on I think two cards with him: one in Toronto, the other might have been Pittsburgh. And in Toronto, I think he got knocked out by Cub Swanson, whichever one it was. It was. I mean, still, I feel like to this day, one of the scarier knockouts that I remember seeing. And I had just lost to uh, Kyle Noak, or I was about to lose to Kyle Noak at that time. But he got hit by Cub Swanson, and like he got hit, and then he's like still moving. And then, like, maybe a delayed second, it, it hits him, and he takes like two steps back, and then he crumbles. And it was like, did he just die? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it was so delayed and it was so weird, but it was so scary. And then another time, it was a different fight. They were cutting weight, and uh, was it Makako, his his coach Makako, mm. uh, Jorge Patino? They were in the sauna, man, and this was when he was at 45. He was cutting weight so hard, and I remember it looked like he was going to die. Like, he couldn't do, he couldn't move at all. And they had his, his face, they had like a, a wooden kind of box container barrel, little barrel. And his face was basically in ice with a towel over his head, sitting in the sauna just to keep his face cool, cutting mm-hmm. so much weight. Mm-hmm. And I, I, those those two memories stick out so much in my mind. But then when I saw him miss weight, it, it is weird. And maybe you can add some context to this. I was trying to explain it. I don't know if it was to my wife or to someone else. It's not like a wrestling weigh-in where you you step on the scale you know if weigh-ins are at seven it's you don't step on the scale at 655 make weight step off stand a foot away and then step back on like you're checking weight it enlighten me now you're checking weight in a different room on a different scale absolutely mm-hmm. no, well, maybe you, an hour before I don't know if you know the story we we always check our weight before on a digital scale and usually there's someone you see that marks you off that you mean you're good okay so then i go up to the meat scale all right you're good 
Charles was on weight on the digital scale in the back. Right. He goes out on the regular scale. Right. Now he's on a weight. And you can see his face. He's like, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, but but he still, he had like 40 minutes. He was supposed to get an hour, but I think since yeah. he waited very late, he has 40 minutes. I don't think he, I, I'm, I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm wondering if he went back and was like, I fucking made weight. Yeah. I'm not losing any fucking weight. Screw you guys. Because right. I might have done that Did too. You, I don't, I don't know. It, I, I don't know. I probably would have made weight. Because he's missed five times in the past. True. So that that's got to you know hold a little bit of weight. Old suspect. You know, but uh, yeah, if, if, if that's true though, that he was on weight. Yeah. But then you know he then he's saying stuff. I was on. I made weight Thursday night. I made weight. Th- How many times have you heard that? I was on weight. Yeah. I didn't, I just I just had a one ice yeah. cube. <laughs> nah, motherfucker. <laughs> you know. Dude. I'll never forget, dude. We were wrestling. I don't remember what tournament. It might have been a lot. We were anyway. We were at some fucking motel, like stab you and run fucking motel on the side of like the highway in, in PA. You know. And I'm with, um, I'm with, if I'm with Lou Russo, he's our 25 pounder from Long Island. And, and I could have sworn, we, you know, them ghetto hotels where like the sinks on the outside, but the bathrooms on the, in, in the room. So the sinks, on the outside, I could have sworn, you know, I'm fucking sleeping. could have sworn I heard like sucking down the water from the fucking faucet. And the morning wakes up. He's like fucking two pounds over. Oh, I swear. I swear to God. I swear to God. I, I have nothing. I have nothing. I swear to God. I'm like, dude, I heard you sucking down the fucking faucet. It doesn't, you know? it doesn't just, you, you don't just gain weight. No, it just doesn't no, happen. No. Did you hear uh, Ariel Hawani had a whole thing on a whole podcast on it though. He, he swears. That that would never ever happen, and any he he thinks it was the commission there. Where was that fight? Arizona. Yeah, yeah he it, said if that was in Vegas, they would have let it go all, all day long. Well, well, you know, seen it. They have, and he I gave have. a bunch yeah, of examples. I know, I know. Of but now, now the, like you look the way a meat scale works, there's an arrow. It's got to line up with the arrow, but really it can't hit the top, right? So a lot of times when you're when you're close on weight, it's like it'll, it'll go to the top very slowly. So what they'll do is when it's 0.5 and it's it's there, they'll be like, oh, you're good, and they don't yeah. even let it. They don't let it go there. You know what I mean? They don't let it hit the top. Like, oh, you're good. You're probably only 0.5 over. And then right. like kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, that the commission guy, what I don't know what type of person he is. Yeah. Is he like having like is he like being in that position? Yeah, it, like, yeah. did he realize the ramifications of yeah. that? Like, did he think in that moment, oh, this happens all the time? Or is he just, a by the book guy? He might just be a fucking what, by the book guy. Ariel said yeah. he's probably so by the book. But if that was anywhere else, and he and he gave probably four or five examples they do. of. But let's be real. When, but. I mean, okay, the whole fuckery with the the digital scale that that's messed up. That's probably the UFC's fault, I would say. But if like, yo, you didn't make weight, yeah. you didn't make weight, still didn't make weight. And I you think know? it was Gagey who maybe posted, yeah, and that uh, yeah. didn't happen to anyone else. But yeah, you. I, I think one of the person that did. But I do hear a lot of people were saying they were they were on weight and they were like a pound, a point five heavier on that scale. Yeah. They, you know, they but not not championship fights. You could have that 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 pound allowance. Right. You know? Yeah. Championship fight. You got to be right. Got to be right. square. Dead, yeah, on, yeah. dead weight. Yeah. But talking about mindset, like I don't know him personally. I don't know Oliver personally. But you were a champ, and I know you personally. For him to be able to to just do Turn that, off. and then yeah, man, that that's like next level is. I don't know mindset or, or something to be able to, to realize deal that. with that ad- yeah. adversity and yeah. not let it mess you up in right. the fight right yeah. I mean damn that fight I, you know what <laughs> Gaethje's a beast I mean, if you've seen the fight he, he rocked him twice uh, Charles ended up going you know going to his guard and Gaethje didn't follow him down because he was nervous mm-hmm. I, I actually watched my fight with uh, Tina wanted to say I watched my fight with Oliveira and I was like god I don't know in the fight, when he's, I, I, I think, you know, he ended up pulling guard or I took him down kind of, I'm kind of standing above him. I didn't jump in his guard right away. I kicked his leg, kicked his leg, and then the ref made him stand up. 
because I was saying you got like when I heard him though I hurt Oliver in the third round he fell I jumped in his fucking guard I'm yeah. trying to finish him I think yeah. if Justin maybe said fuck I'm gonna go for the kill he might have got it done yeah. you know what I mean I know, but that's it's tough. That, it's tough. Does that it's, eat it's, it, guys like you? Oh, to, fuck to, yeah! Do you just fuck. think about like what if, what if, what if? I know you. Of course, do yeah. Every guy, every, yeah. every dude. I'm sure you you have it. If you know, what if I? You know, I'm sure it, some type of situation. But in fighting, yeah, in wrestling, fuck. I wish I didn't do that. Yeah. dude. I fuck. I must blame. I live. I live in that. I wish I didn't do right, world right, right. because you know? it's so, especially fighting. Like it's so, like minuscule. Yeah. Like it's so an inch or a centimeter or something. But. It is what it is, right. and I. It's funny. I, I. We were talking a little bit earlier, but I still train on a regular basis, like strength and conditioning. Like I do sprints and I lift and do kettlebells, etc. I don't get on the mat much anymore, just because of logistics. But uh, I mean, I think I could beat me up. I haven't trained in forever, and I think I today could beat me up when I was training. And I think like that's like good, but also I think it's dangerous because well, that's what keeps people going. Well, you know, you know, you know uh, Ricardo always said something. This is great. It's a good thing. The more I train, the less I think I'm tough, or the more, the less I yeah. know. The more I train, the less I think I know. Yeah. Because you know what I mean. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, dude, you just see. Or, or how about this? How it's about, like, like this. You, you'll, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. You came from wrestling, right? And like, how shot heavy were you when you first started sparring? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Like that. You're fucking like boom. You're on a dog on a bone. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Then you run into one knee or one yeah. uppercut. Now you're like, oh, oh, should I go? Ah, I don't know. You know what I mean? So that's kind of that kind yeah. of happens. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, you know? it it is super tough. And you know, th thinking back to the, I I I. So I came from wrestling, and then I was teaching Spanish, and I was kind of fat and happy. And then when I started training, it like I said, initially it was Eddie, and and I would train with him, but you know, it was it was kind of like I'll say friendly, meaning nobody was like killing me, and they weren't training for whatever I was training. And then I, I remember training with you and with uh, with him and all the other guys at, at Almeida or, or at Jim and Dan. <laughs> Jim's yeah. a perfect example. Like, he could give a shit about anything. Yeah, like, yeah. he's going to fight, should, right? Yeah. And I remember so many times just, like, feeling like my head's a pinball, right? And 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 wrestling or fighting or sparring you, for example, I can't take you down, mm. right? Like, it's hard to take you down. Right. And, but so then I got to stand up and fight, and you're so much better on your feet, or Eddie's so much better on the feet. Like... Talk about like putting you in front of like we we're talking about t TV being in front of like your your weaknesses or whatever. But man, fight it! It's so scary. Like it's so freaking scary to be sparring you or to be sparring Eddie or to be sparring Jim or Dan and Dan Miller. Perfect example. Like he's bigger than me, stronger than me. I can't take him down. He's better at kicking. He's better at punching. Oh, and then you just got to fight. Yeah. And it, it's 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 really symbolic and preparatory for like outside of life yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely but it, but doesn't doesn't that when you when you walk away from those because a lot of people say a lot of fighters say sparring is like tougher than fighting sometimes you know what i mean so when you fight those tough guys like dan or whatever and then you get in there in a fight you, it's got to build you got to have confidence like i've already got my ass kicked like what is this guy gonna do to me that he didn't you know yeah but yeah. see i i never really i never said that and i don't i don't subscribe to that the fight is much worse than the training because they're not trying to kill me like mm -hmm. I'm your friend right yeah, yeah, I'm your kind of teammate you're not trying to knock me out mm -hmm. most guys mm -hmm. who train with you are not trying to do that in the actual fight it's like another level it's like a pro like like a it's just a different speed it you is know? like even even if I'm in a gym like see, me and you know each other so we always and, and I'm not a scumbag yeah. training partner either you 
But sometimes you go to places where there are scumbags, and even still, even like you don't know a guy, it's still not the same speed as a fight. Right. It's, it's not, not, not. It's not. There ain't money on the line. No, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? right. So I, I. I it certainly helps to know, okay, I train with Frankie, I train with Eddie, I train with Jim and Dan, I train at Henzo's. Like, it helps to know that stuff. But, the, the, like you said, the speed, even the sound and the, like, tactile feeling in a fight is much different than it is in the gym. Do you remember, I don't know if you, I mean, I know you, you there's been different guys who have come and trained with you since I've been out of it, but, like, when Khabib and, and uh, Adlon and a couple other Russian guys came to the U.S. They were in Jersey, and like we would spot. Jamie Varner was at our gym at that time, mm-hmm. and like it got to the point where on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I, I was like, felt like I was getting ready to fight because nobody cared. It, there, there was not necessarily uh, like a, a team rapport at that time, which is good. But then it's like this is my home gym, man, and I'm trying to come and train, and I feel like I'm I'm trying to like knock it knocked out today mm-hmm. and it was really it was tough for a long time because mm-hmm. there was a language barrier there's a culture barrier those guys were absolute killers mm-hmm. um so it's it's tough like that 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 specific period of time i, I liken to a fight because right. i felt like it was i, I always like uh i I, you know, I tell guys now like it's, it's a couple guys i'm trying to help out a little bit like the only the closest thing to a fight is going to a boxing gym yeah in, in the hood if, if you could pick one yeah. you know and you go in there you don't know anybody everybody's mad dogging you you go in there people are talking mad shit that's you a know? perfect he's example. not fast Get to, knock him out he's not fast he's not fast and your coach is yelling, yelling Mark's talking one two three one you don't tell me shit They're, people are screaming that's the closest thing to a fucking fight yeah you know it, and like the animo- like the um, not animosity the um the, just that angst you have like when you're warming up and everyone's fucking mm-hmm. mad dogging you but every everything put in a good show afterwards everyone's like go go work bro go work go yeah work. walk out yeah. that's how it works so i had a couple examples of that going to different gyms uh like a, a maybe a team quest like you go to these different gyms and there's these guys there who i couldn't believe like you're not a superstar mm-hmm. you're you're like and for whatever reason they just didn't have that break or that that right relationship or that right timing or whatever and you go to those gyms, it's very similar to what you're saying, man, because you have a tag of being a UFC guy and, and maybe being on TV. You know, at Henzo's, we weren't sparring, but it was jujitsu, and I'm rolling with, like, these black belts that are, like, unbelievable, oh, yeah. that are absolute yeah. killers. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't sparring, it was jujitsu, but still, it's like... You get nervous. It's insane, yeah. 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 There's such a high level of competition and, and when you put on gloves and you're sparring, especially with little gloves sparring with guys you don't know in a strange place, man, it gets pretty overwhelming. It does. It does. How about you, Frankie? Do <clears throat> you think twenty twenty two Frankie could kick the ass of the Grey Maiden Frankie, the BJ Penn belt winner, Frank? Do you think you Yeah, I think I'm evolved. <clears throat> I think I'm evolved. I don't know if I can throw you overhand like I used to be able to with the shoulder feeling the way it is, but yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm def I am i am definitely a better fighter than I was in fifty five, you know. There's much so much more knowledge. It's fucking yeah, ten, that, ten ring, years of knowledge. Ring you know? knowledge yeah. That's what I like too. I also like it and again I, I say that out loud but you know, I don't know if I really could kick my own ass, but I think like as a person like you're calmer as a person, maybe you are. I'm speaking from my vantage. Like I feel like I'm calmer. I feel like I'm more knowledgeable. I feel like I'm just like more relaxed. Like so for that alone, even though my like fight technique might be kind of like at a standstill because I haven't trained in forever, uh, I feel like that side of me, like the me side of me, is 
more evolved and calmer and, and more prepared to fight, I think, than I Men, was. Yeah, I mean, just, like I, like I say, uh, experience is probably the best thing you can yeah. have. And the only way you can get it is by timing, yeah. you know? Yeah, And it's just kind of crazy. It's a little crazy about fighting. I mean, football, not football a little bit. Not as much because, like you said, they can't hit as hard. But, like, Tom Brady, right? He's 43. But, bro, he's probably so, so much. He has how much more knowledge does he have yeah. about it just, just came to the, to, to the league? And, like, he as long as he can still play at that speed, bro, he's so much better now. Like, in fighting, it's like, I, I don't I'm 15 years in the UFC. It's like my knowledge is crazy, crazy. So much more than it was when I first walked in. But, like, I got 15 years on my body. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, it, if you're you hitting at that knowledge in yeah, the old in the, body. In the young body. Right, yeah, right. it'd be crazy. Yeah. I recently read, so on my podcast, on I, I, I read a new book every week and then I give like highlights of that book. But I recently read his book, The TB12 Method. Oh, yeah. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with your values or things that you would have done then that you can't do now. Like, for example, I, you know, I have two small kids and I live you know, right outside of Hershey and, and my kids are doing uh, like activities and I'm going to family reunions and parties and Christmases and like Easter, et cetera, et cetera. So there's elements in my life that aren't conducive to never eating junk or there's elements in my life that just, it's not conducive to being a world champion because that's not my, my focal point, my mm-hmm. priority. When you read his book, and I don't know Tom Brady personally, but you read that book, like he's still in that mindset. Like he said, we plan our family vacations around, you know, what gym equipment, what weights, what food, like, He's still that guy, and it is a choice that you make as a he, person. But he, he don't plan it; he has someone to plan. Well, yeah. but <laughs> enough money. But it wasn't always that yeah, way. Yeah, not right, you right? Know? Yeah, he had to build that that, uh, the rock, that routine. Yeah, everywhere yeah. the rock goes, is his own gym is set up. Bring, on, yeah, yeah. he's like a trailer. He brings right? it with him. Yeah. No, I think it's like one of those uh, metal frame, you know, tarped over buildings oh, with AC units. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how you look. You know how you see that you mentioned the rock or tom brady or i mean there's people that look at you frankie and and think man he's this and he has that etc but you know you didn't yeah, start yeah. there like yeah no for sure it's a long way it is, yeah. in the making absolutely man and it's 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 uh it's a fun fucking ride man you know like you gotta be happy that you did yeah. what you did right you know i remember so a couple of things that stick out in my mind from like you and, and Ligori were super in, instrumental in my, in my life. And, and I remember a couple of things like that you said and he said to me early on. And when you hear other people's stories, you hear them tell like moments that happened that someone told them something and they remembered it forever. Lessons, comedians have all these lessons from guys that go in front of them. But I remember one time, uh, two things from Ligori. I used to just keep my gear in my, my back of my car in my trunk, right? So, because literally I never knew when I'd see you or come right. across you guys. And I I don't know if we were at Rutgers or something. And the idea came up of, well, let's get a workout. And I said, all right, I got to get my stuff in my trunk. And he was like, that's it, man. Like, he, he, he pointed that out as like, yeah. yes, that's how you do it. You yeah. keep the stuff with you. You're ready to go all yeah. the time. And then I remember I was offered a contract at Bellator literally in my mind in my memory the night before i signed to the ufc oh wow so i was offered to get in it wasn't the uh their first tournament i think was 175 grand i think year number two was 100 grand but the contract itself was not a good contract mm-hmm. like if you didn't win that 100 grand it was not good right and my brother was working with someone they got me in and then ended up turning it down and they were pretty pissed about it because there was a lot of work that went into getting it and then i turned it down and then i think it was literally the next day Mike called me that I got signed to the UFC. 
And I remember like in that interim, like before that happened, I was talking to Liguori and I was sitting at my kitchen table when I was living in Strasbourg. And he was like, man, just don't worry about it. Keep doing what you're doing and you're gonna get there. And I remember thinking like, he's so confident in me, but I'm not even that, like how does he know that I'm gonna get there? But you hear something from someone else and then it kind of clicks and you're like, yeah, if I keep doing this, I'm gonna get there. Um, and then I remember when I when I was in Pittsburgh and I, I ended up fighting Rick Story. Mm. And I don't know if you'll remember this conversation, but I remember, so I was supposed to fight Nate Marquardt. Sure. Nate got popped for something. TJ Grant, whom I was supposed to fight, whom I'm good friends with today, which is a weird circle of life. He didn't show up, he got sick, so they threw me in to fight Rick Story. And I remember calling you, I called Mark, uh, asked him what he thought about taking the fight, Henry. You were, you were a big underdog in there, right? Like ginormous, yeah. like, like who's this guy, right. you know? And uh, well, things just bumped the wire. But uh, I remember calling you and talking to you, I think it was after the fight, and I can't remember if you said believe the hype or don't believe the hype. Oh, I said fucking believe yeah, the hype. Yeah, that's it. Believe the hype. Uh, that's yeah, what I thought yeah, you I said. Remember, and that, that, yeah. that stuck in my brain, yeah. like keeping a balance, like it's a nuance. Like don't get too far ahead of yourself, mm -hmm. but yeah. believe it, like don't yeah. limit yourself. I said, no, I said, I said, I said, I said, they say don't believe the hype. I said, nah, believe the fucking hype. Yeah. You know? and I are, just, there, yeah. are there fighters in your mind that, that overly believe in that? There's a Conor McGregor one. I mean, there's no guy that believes in himself more than him, but he's taking a bunch of losses too. Does he? Is there over believing? He would have. He would have never got where he yeah. was if he didn't have true. that. That, that is true. You know that I mean? is true. There is. True. And I think there's fighters. I won't say names. I won't say names. But I think there's fighters out there that are not that talented, but they just fucking believe, man, mm. and they find a way to win. They're and not it, athletic. They're not the most the, the 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 most talented, skillful fighter, but they just believe so fucking much. Yeah. I yeah. think McGregor's a, uh, you know, if you, you think of alchemy, right, or you think of like this perfect mix of stuff, I think he is, I don't know how much further he's gonna go, but yeah, none of that happened without this insane belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. right. And especially with fighting, because you just can't fake it. You know, you can nah, post yeah, stuff yeah, and you can yeah. say stuff, but then you get your ass kicked and right. it's like, all right, right. what now? Yeah, he, he won enough times to, to get Correct. where he got. Yeah, I agree. Know? Now there's a lot of talk about him and Chandler. What do you think? Um, I'm thinking Chandler. Yeah. Chandler. I just don't think. I mean, Connor hasn't won a fight in a long time. I think that I, I, I might pick. I might pick Connor over that one because it's it's it plays into his fight style. They're both stand up bangers. Uh, Connor's well, got that. You know, obviously against Khabib, I would have never picked Connor to win that fight. Even though dude, Connor Chandler, thought he was Chandler could wrestle the fuck out of Connor if he wanted to, but I don't. I don't know if he would. I, I, don't, I don't think, think he, he would, would either. I don't know if he would for yeah. better or worse. I don't yeah. think he would. Yeah. Um, Chad Mendez was supposed to wrestle the shit out of him. He got up he every did. time. He, he got did. up. He did, but he got up Chad every time. Chad Mendez was having a fucking heart attack. <laughs> yeah. You know? If he was in shape, I would have smashed that dude. Hey, what do you think? So I have this, like, I don't know. My experience as a wrestler, right? It's so, like we were saying earlier, it's just so hard. It's so not fun. Think of Christmas break at Clarion. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the worst, worst thing in the world. It's so hard. And then after the season, people get all gung ho, right? They're like, "Yeah, let's train." It's the yeah. worst thing in the world because you go home and you can't enjoy. It's just miserable. Yeah, with your no, family, like, yo, right? look, look, nobody's on campus. Nobody's on camp. We're the only people there. There's a basketball team, maybe, and they, they don't even work out like really, you know. And fucking, it was like Transylvania, <laughs> right? Transylvania, but no sun ever. <laughs> cold, know? cold as fuck, snowy all the time. Dark. Really? You got to make weight. Yeah. Calf's empty. That's yeah. miserable, man. Boring. That is yeah. miserable. And and then, but in the after season, there's this like rejuvenation. Like I'm in a weight room, I'm gonna train. 
I feel, and you're like, what the, why didn't you do, where yeah, were you like yeah, exactly. two months yeah, ago, a yeah. month ago? Yeah. I think that with like, with what Connor's doing where he's getting all beefy, right? And I'm, I'm me. So you can say like, shut up, man. Like what he, he's Connor. Okay. But I don't understand the idea of getting so bulky and strong to then cut weight again. He's, I think he's going to go 70. He's going to go 70. He's but, not going down well, 55. That's the talk between him and Chandler. Is that? He's not going to go. I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think he's going to go down 55. And le, yeah, I think because he's, he's trying to fight. I think he's trying to, him and AD should fight. That's probably for the money for yeah. the big money. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a huge, because yeah, they're both his popular guys. Yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, Nate hasn't really done a lot lately. So well, either bro, Connor hasn't won. It. When's Connor? Connor's won one fight since. Uh, wait, what did, what did someone say? He's won one. He hasn't won a fight since since. Correct, but before Connor, before Con- Trump was president. That that is that is <laughs> correct. that is correct. But Connor could fight when Connor wants to fight too, because he's such a big draw. He can he can name the time he wants yeah, to fight. Yeah, every so fight he's, he's fought, he's lost. Okay, so I'm not, saying. Yeah. Except Cowboy. That's right. the only fight. Right. But without uh, without conditioning at 55, I don't understand how there's going to be conditioning at 70. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I, I don't think... Some guys just... <clears throat> some guys just... That's their kryptonite. You know? They're, they're, as long as they're in the driver's seat, they're doing good. But as soon as that fucking yep. gas uh, meter drops a little well, bit low, it's it, like, yeah. it's over. Did you ever have any fights where your car, where you and your brain were like, oh shit, I'm not feeling this. I think one time, well, my first fight with Tyson, because I, I took the fight on four weeks notice, I had a sinus infection for two of those weeks. It was, I was the sickest I've ever been. And like that fight, I was just not, in, I just wasn't in shape, I, you know, but I, I toughed it out. I was super tired. I remember walking back to the, to the, um, to the locker room, I'm th- I threw up because I, I thought I threw up from a concussion, mm-hmm. but it's because I was fucking so out of, out of shape. And uh, and then when I fought Gray the first time, it was in Broomfield, Colorado, which is like nine thousand feet. And I didn't go. I went out there Tuesday for a Saturday fight because I was like, "Fuck that, it's gonna bother yeah. me." And I don't know if it did. I mean, it's my first fight I lost. He took me down a couple times, so that could have been it, you know. But th- those are the only times where I was like, I had to. Yeah, that was a push. And in your brain. I like picking the brain of like really good fighters. Did you ever before the fight have any sort of doubt in your mind or about were you conditioning? Did, no, well maybe conditioning, but about the fight in general. Always, every fight, there's always doubt. I think you know I'm always scared to lose. You know what I mean? Like I'm never. That's why I say like, are you scared? Yeah, I'm scared, but I'm not scared to get hurt because I, you know, not that I don't care about getting hurt, but I don't think about that. I don't think about getting hurt. I just think about losing. I don't want to lose, you know? And that's kind of bad. I think it's almost bad to think like that, but it keeps you fast. It keeps you sharp, too. It's like, dude, I don't want to lose that bad that I'm going to make sure I do everything right. I'm going to focus right. And the loneliest... So I have a connection to you just because you were, like, really big early in my career. But whenever I would see you lose and, and like, standing there, right? Like, you put out so much work, and it's for any fighter, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about you because I watch it. I'm like, ah... And then you, I see you standing there. Everyone does, right? And you're like, I know because I've gotten my ass kicked and like it sucks that like, oh man, I know how he feels. I get it. It's terrible. How are you at like, like either rebounding or flushing it out of you and moving forward? So like you, you get knocked out Saturday night, Sunday you fly home, Monday morning you wake up. Yeah, I'm not good, bro. <laughs> it takes me a while. I'm not good no. for a while. I get over it. I do, but it takes a little bit. Like he's a not, week, two a, weeks. Not, yeah, a week. A he's week. not a guy that talks about it. He will, he. Will, but you, if you know, I, him, you know him well. He he, dude, wear, I, I, he wears it. You yeah, know, I'm very, I'm very him. like, I'm just in a bad fucking yeah. world. You know, for, yeah. for, for 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 like a week, then it goes away. It does go away. You know. Yeah. But it, you know, it's 
listen, I, you shouldn't be good at losing. I think. Yeah. You know, I think it should bother you a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, if you if I didn't put any everything, like I, this is my thing is whenever I prepare, like if you beat me in a fight, you fucking beat me because I fucking prepare for your ass. I was ready to fight. You know, at every fight I've been in, and it's like I do everything right. I eat right. I sleep right. I mean, I fucking you know everything. Yeah. So then when it does something doesn't work, it's like, dude, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. But that's life. <laughs> I remember so many nights, um, like you, you you lose and then like you go to bed and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh shit. Because yeah, like you forget for a split second, yeah, yeah. and oh, then yeah. you remember it. Yeah. I remember you saying, Frank. I, I, I guess it was Cheeto. You saying, and, and I never heard you talk like that before because f- everybody loves fucking Frankie. Everybody, like everybody around here, especially his hometown, fucking loves this guy. And he was like, I don't, I don't want to go out. He's like, I'm gonna, because that's how I am. But I don't even want to go out. I don't even want to leave my house. And I was like, Fuck, man, I, you hurt for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it's tough, man. And and you know with. Uh, the next phase of life i'm deep into it you know six seven years into it it's weird interacting and i understand why former athletes have problems in life because you go from you know literally being around people on the same mission day in and day out where 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 in my mind like you're you're weird for not like busting your ass day in and day out you're what do you mean you're you're not getting up and doing this that the other thing and then when when you reverse and you're that weird like it might be in my head right but i'm still super disciplined with training i still mm-hmm. like I, I i i do sprints like to the point where i feel weird for doing sprints you know mm-hmm. but it's it's a weird transition because all you ever know is that thing and then you don't know that thing and then you're the only one that's living that thing and it, it becomes like you try to place it right like all that aggression and all that like go really you tr- you try to find different pockets mm. to to deliver it in your post fighting life and yeah. it's a really weird thing yeah i mean i'm getting close you know obviously so you but it's like anything you just got to channel it in the right way i guess right and um try to f- i think what's going to help me is you got to find something to replace that yeah. drive right you got to find something yeah. to replace it that's it it really is like a habit you know just 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 replacing that bad habit with a good habit like mm-hmm. replacing this thing with other thing and there are there's plenty of opportunity like the thing i like about post fighting and the thing i like about doing my own thing is it's limitless like mm-hmm. there's literally no possibilities i can like may, you know succeed or fail whatever right. like yeah, i can try anything i can mm-hmm. do anything mm-hmm. and i like that limitless possibility because you take all these things you learn along the way and then you apply it to either speaking or podcasting or writing books or who knows what else mm-hmm. you know it, it that's kind of the, the 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 mystery or adventure that is post fighting that i don't get anymore from fighting because mm. it's a weird it's a weird thing being around all those people on a regular basis yeah. <clears throat> and then not you know yeah no for sure from the outside looking in obviously i'm, I'm not an athlete nor you know high level athletes like you guys I'm not an athlete at all but anyway um the mindset is so strong you know and then frankie as he just said not that long ago you know your body starts you, you start getting older you know you start getting injured you start but the mind doesn't necessarily change so the mind is always telling you you know yeah. I, at least I'm, I'm asking really the mind i would think is always saying no i'm good i'm good I'm, I'm sign me up for another one i'm ready i'm ready how does anybody really know when it's time to walk away you know what i mean like how do you know it's, it can't be 
It's got to be you. It can't be. It can't be people telling you to walk away. Mm. It has to be you. Mm-mm. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, like fuck. I, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I'm, dude, I'm gone. You know, I I watched fucking Cheeto fight three weeks ago, and it looks fucking great, bro. He's one of the best fighters in the world, and it's like I was right there with the guy. Right. So how, how you know it's tough for me to say I could have easily beat one of the best fighters in the world in my last fight, right. and it didn't turn out that way. So does that mean walk away? You know, it's just like if I was fucking 26 and that fight happened, you'd be like, ah, all right, fuck, let's get back on the board, you know? But, you know, it's tough. It gets tough after a while, too. For me, it was just objective. So I I lost, I was in the UFC, got out of the UFC, won four fights back in the UFC. I thought, yeah, I dropped down a weight class, took a fight on short notice to Benio Darius, got choked Mm -hmm. out quick. I was like, all right, all right, I'll rebound, I'll rebound. Get knocked out cold by Danny Castillo. Like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? And then I get choked out like six months later. And in a span of, you know, a year, it went from like back to smash everything to holy smokes, I'm out of a job again. Mm. And then it became this objective, like I, I made up my mind, okay, well, I'll fight on the regional circuit for no less than five and five. And then it was like one and one. Mm. After 11 fights in the UFC being yes. offered a thousand and a thousand. And then it was that for another couple months, another couple months. And then it was like a year and I was like, maybe I just won't fight anymore. And then it right. became like my personal feeling of, I'm not driving so far to train anymore Mm -hmm. and I'm not moving. So it became, and then I I remember hearing people just in life say it just, it, uh, it doesn't make sense to X, Y, or Z. Right. And not, not really understanding what they meant. But when I started saying it doesn't make sense for me to take a fight because I'm going to have to travel to Jersey or Philly multiple times a week. I'm going to spend a lot of money. I'm going to be away from my family and I could speak and make X dollars, which might be less than fighting, but it's minus all that stuff. Mm. It didn't make sense for me to do it anymore. And then that made it. And then I kind of like found that drive and that purpose in this other thing. Well, can we talk about that? How how do you transition into that? Obviously you got to advocate a little bit if you want to speak or were you asked to speak and that inspired this new passion in you to publicly speak because that's that's kind of what you're doing now. yeah I mean, you have the podcast too yeah it, that's a great question and that's a it's a fun slash like helpful thing to fighters uh post right so i had enough of a story that i was in the ufc i had some success in the ufc to use it as a as a thing as a placeholder as a hook and then couple that with being asked all all these questions from being small town PA and then I wrote a book and then I learned that people who write books are often speakers and then I learned of this profession of being a professional speaker I had no idea that really existed and then I just started like putting pieces together and and would use contacts from I used to be a teacher so I would use contacts from having taught I understand kids I used to be in a classroom I have classroom management I have a cool story and so I just put all these things together to to I mean, gradually put together a career post fighting and the weirdest part about it, the hardest part for me to understand as an athlete, right? Especially as a high school wrestler trying to win a state title. If you're trying to win a national title or you in your case, trying to win a UFC belt, anything less than a hundred percent success rate is like failure. It's, it's, it's like, I lost a match. Like this sucks. I should win every match. Trying right? Uh, marketing, cold emailing, cold calling. It's like the the opposite. You're succeeding one or 2% of the time and you're failing 98% mm, of the time. Yeah. 
So it took so long still to this day to not take things personally. People don't respond. People don't care. They only care if they if you hit them at the right time and they need a thing and you are that thing. So for me, it's like understanding yeah. like a, a warm response rate from cool me emailing is like two percent yep that means you're you're, two, you're speaking our language here in the podcast world at least because yeah that's what what we experience because we you you do it all right you don't have you don't have to hire anybody to do it no, all. You it's do, everything we, we do it all so yeah and it's you know but like we talked about the rock we talked about tom brady you frankie roger I, I don't know what you do outside of what i know you do here I'm, but i'm a union guy yeah, it's like, man, you got to make it work. You got to make it happen. And nobody cares. Like, nobody cares. So some of the, so my partner, Dredd, his name is Keith, but I call him Dredd. And he's he's kind of a, a nerdy type guy. So it's a, a fun, we think it's fun. We think it's funny calling him Dredd. But uh, some of the, like, things we repeat on a daily basis are nobody cares. Nobody cares. Just get it out of your mind that anybody cares because nobody cares. Um, another important thing that, that he would say to me is, you know, if we're deciding, like, do we call the show this? Do we call the show that? Do we use this picture? Do we use that picture? Do we, this, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things he always says is, there is there anything better we can be doing right now? Like, is there a better idea? Is there a better path? Is there a better thing that we can be doing right now? No? Okay, we're going to do this thing. And like, try, trial, trying, trying. I've gotten much more comfortable with like trying things. So, uh, a big thing for me is reading books. I love reading books. And so I'm trying to figure out this match of combining UFC fighting, a guy who reads books, used to fight, cool, right? So I have these ideas of the world's toughest book club or I have the ideas of X, Y, and Z. And like, it makes me sweat. It makes me nervous. Like you're doing that comedy thing. Mm-hmm. But man, it, it fighting has helped, but you, I just, they do. And you put out a post and nobody responds. I'm like, uh, all right, that sucks. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing. Whatever. Okay, that didn't work. And then what can you do? So it's it's just a lot of trial and error and and sure. f- like financially speaking, when I left fighting, I, I thought to myself, if I can make as much fighting as I do teaching, when I left teaching to fight, and my first contract teaching was thirty thousand eight hundred dollars. So if I can make as much money fighting as I can teaching, I'm good to go. And I've always like been super careful with how I live. Um, my wife's a teacher, you know, so so we're, we live simply. And then I just like kind of gradually improve my business itself and to the point where, you know, I wish it were bigger and better, et cetera, et cetera. But like I kind of do what I want when I want. Yeah, you know? that, that's, that's, that, uh, that is value. that's, yeah, that's valueless, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I I've, when COVID hit, if, I mean, you already do it and you, I'm sure you will do more of it. Uh, speaking and sharing your story because mm-hmm. in your story like I, I've had a lot of people because you feel like a little bit uh, self-indulgent to, to just share your story and expect that some, I mean Roger you could you could share your story and, and like I'm, I don't know if you have before but people are going to be like whoa like just tell me about it but someone told me to just, me it's very uninteresting cor- <laughs> yeah and like you're you and you're regular and yeah. you know whatever but a really smart marketing person says, like, stop trying to make it more. Right. Like, your story is enough, mm-hmm. right? Tell it, because yep. there's lessons in that story. So I've had to remind myself, okay, just relax. It is what it is. Spanish teacher became a fighter, lessons, boom, share it. And then with kids, when COVID hit, so I speak in schools a lot, and I would do some businesses, some schools, and then when COVID hit, I was not, like, talking to kids at all. And 
like my wife's a middle school teacher and, and you just hear and you, you have kids who are mm-hmm. you know in that age and man like just how disconnected they were and so i zeroed in on school so now it's it's i feel comfortable talking to principals i know what kids are going through i get their feedback and i build my message off of that um but like you were talking about that comedy man standing in front of a a a, a auditorium like 800,000 middle schoolers to me i love it man because i'm like boom I, i'm i'm going to i'm going to get them and i'm going to connect with them uh you know my wife for example like that's that i never want to do that ever yeah. like you're crazy but i don't i i enjoy it and it makes you feel you're talking about replacing the fight it right, makes right. me feel worth right value like mm-hmm. hey i can help someone yeah. so right well i actually got to introduce him last year at uh, yeah. southern for, yeah. for one of his, oh, spe- very his cool. speeches very cool, yeah man. yeah, yeah. It, that I was actually thinking about that yesterday because I went I did a presentation over in Pittsburgh yesterday near Pittsburgh and the 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 tech the PowerPoint wasn't working and I was like if I have to I'll just do it without and then I thought to that yeah, one yeah. it was out in on the field because yeah, yeah. it was kind of COVID time yeah, yeah. Uh, without a PowerPoint which helps to add emphasis to right. it you know right. showing cool where, where was your first public speaking event ever the the first what i would consider like what the answer to your question it was at a uh, a wrestling match so my last fight with ufc was november of 2014 and then I, i'm nearly certain it's a memory thing that i got my walking papers on new year's day of 2015 so i was like all right i gotta do something now and then i was invited to speak at a wrestling match back home there was no pay or anything but i was expected to speak or i invited to speak at a wrestling match and i was terrible you know, it was like, oh, gives me like cringes, you know, thinking about it. Sure. But that was the first That's one. How you grow, man. Yeah, exactly. That's and then grow. I got uh, an, a paid one at my old high school and then just keep going and going and going. And this year, the farthest I went, I was in Colorado for, for an event and then up in Boston for an event, a bunch in Bergen County here in Jersey, like oh, really? a, a yeah. bunch. Yeah. Um, I talked to a lot of schools here in Jersey, but it's a cool thing, man. It keeps you young. It keeps you, your finger on the pulse. I have kids that are growing up, so I'm going to like, hopefully understand what they're going through without them having to come out and say it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but it's been, it's been certainly gradual. No, I, I, you know, um, like we need more people like you speaking in schools. To be yeah. honest with you, some crazy yeah. shit going on in schools right now. So yeah, well, you would be, you'd be welcome in my kid's school. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot about adversity. I mean, you know, and it, it helps cause people, right. Y- you guys, I feel like we've all been embarrassed on TV, mm-hmm. right? And for a kid who thinks like they have to walk around with this tough shell and they can't be made fun of and they have to be, it's like, I mean, I'd like to say that's how it is, but I'm out cold and that's, that's the way. Well, now the kids are, kids are, I mean, their lives are really lived on social media now. So anybody can get made fun of basically, you know what I mean? So nobody's, nobody's protected. You know, it used to be, Frankie, you said it one day, you used to go home and you'd be, you'd be, yeah. you'd be rid of it until the yeah. next day. You had to go back. Now that shit follows you home. Yeah. Because everybody yeah. has social media. Everybody right. has a phone. Everybody, you know. It's tough, it's man. Scary. Especially raising kids like that. Oh man. In that world. Uh, it is nuts. It is nuts. And, um, Yeah. They need some good influences in their life, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's good to get the people like that. that would, like when uh, when you had that talk last year, it was it was a good message to the kids. And um, yeah, where 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 can if anybody wants to book you, yeah, or anything, what's your contact information? So I try to make it as simple as possible. Charlie Spaniard is my 
all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My website is charliespanier.com. You know, it's, it's simple. I, uh, you know, COVID forced, if, if your business is, I was mentioning comedians earlier, if your business is speaking in front of live crowds and then there's no live crowds anywhere, yeah, I had to crazy. totally revamp, redo, recreate everything that I was doing. Um, but my website is, was part of that process. But Charlie Spaniard is, is my website.com. And, uh, you know, I have my podcast. I have a student pod. So I actually have two podcasts, one for students, one for, for grownups. Um, oh, so you do a podcast for, like, for students to listen yeah, to? Yeah, so The Spaniard Show is my podcast. And I, I would have a, a kids episode, I call it a kids, you know, and then the number, and then I'd have a, a books episode where I talk about books and then I'd have a guest. And then I thought, this is one of those things where I'm saying like, just, you know, pull the trigger and do. And I thought, man, it'd be a lot easier for me to promote a student podcast only to students when I do these assemblies. So I, I just create, it's really easy. I don't know what host you use, but really easy on Libsyn to create another podcast. So I just speak directly to students about the things that they're going through based on the feedback I get from kids. So I, it's you know called Spaniard School, you know, kind of yeah, teaching all yeah. these different lessons from fighting. Cool. Um, a lot of it pertains to social and emotional health. Kid, kids will, will uh, uh, um, kids will ask questions. Like, what, do you have like a forum where they can ask questions? Well, or? they they sent yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's new, so yes. Ideally, that's going to be the mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I use the feedback that I get from messages. I'll do a school, and maybe I'll get fifty or hundred messages. Oh, them sharing, okay, yeah, 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 Instagram sharing. So yeah, it, yeah. it really it gives you a good feel for I, what's going on in their minds right now. Sure, that's cool. So. Yeah, you. Uh, we gotta have him sign the board. Yes, get us sign the the uh, surfboard oh, up there, nice. pal. Get yeah, this guests. this is cool too from a podcasting perspective. Um, you know, just seeing how you guys have it set up, studio. It's fun to. Uh, it used to be just Frankie's like chill room. He'd hang out in, had his yeah. trophies and stuff down here, and. You know, I don't know if you know the story about how we got started. I passed him on the road with that. I'm a union guy. Like I told him I passed him on my work truck. He's a fluffer. Fluffer, yeah, fluffer. <laughs> Cuckold. Anyway, um, and he and he saw me. I was in my work truck, and he and he called. And Frankie, he, if you know him, he doesn't like to ask anybody for anything. It's like that's his awkward. He feels so. He, he, he the phone rings. It's Frankie, and I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, he's like, I just passed you. You ever think about doing a podcast? That's what he says, but not not. I'm with, listening to Rogan as he's passing by. Not yeah. with me. Not like, hey, bro. I think we. No, just you ever think about doing a podcast? I think he's just talking about me. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, bro. Never That's what he said. He's like, he's like, nah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'll catch you later, bro. <laughs> that was it. That was <laughs> it for like a year. Like a year went by after that phone call. I remember that call. And Ligori DMs me one day. I love Ligori. Ligori should have a podcast. He says some of the most inspirational shit sometimes. But anyway, he DMs me. He's like, bro, you and Frankie should do a podcast together. You come from totally opposite worlds, different personalities, but you'd be like, it's like the odd, you know, the odd couple. You guys yep. would be good at it. And, I, and I, like a light bulb went off. I was like, is that what the fucking guy meant when he, when he called me a year ago? There was no follow up. Like, yeah. like we missed out on because I was like, you ever think about doing podcasts? He's like, nah, never. We we, wow. missed, we missed out on a whole year where we could have been doing this, but. And did you two know each other? I, you probably knew of each other, but did you know each other? I, I was a Frankie Edgar fan. We have mutual friends. They introduced us 20 years ago. Um, I I used to go, before he even really knew me, I'd go to his fights. I've been to Sacramento to watch a fight. I've, I, fought, I was a Frankie Edgar fan, true and true. And then I, we just started... We'd be at events together and shit, see each other, and we just kind of started hitting it off. And, and then I started teaching MMA. Yeah. At, at, uh, at Elite Wrestling. Yeah. And he would come 
I was like, fuck, a chance to see Frank Elmer. So yeah. I, I came over. I and trained I trained for a couple years over yeah, there. I, think. Yeah. I didn't know you were from Maine. Yeah, yeah. Either. Girl, How girl. did you end up down here? Uh, I'll try to give you the short version. My mom is originally from Jersey. My parents were married like 25 years, got divorced. My mom relocated back to Jersey. So I came down to visit. My sister followed my mother shortly after. I think I was like 17. My sister was like 18 when, when my parents separated. So maybe at like 19 or yeah. 20, my sister came to Jersey and... Um, she had a baby, so I came to visit my niece, and I never left. That was yeah. that was in '98. I just came, saw her all the saw Seaside. My sister took me to Philly one day, took me into New York. I was like, I ain't going back to that little town. So I went back, packed up a U-Haul truck, and a week later, I was living in Jersey. Now, yeah. now nobody lives here; it's just me. Yeah. Now you so. try to like you try to explain to a kid like trajectory, life trajectory. You couldn't have planned that for a, never. Yeah. Never. No. I How crazy that. is it? Think about it. Kid, little town. I mean, when I say little town, I mean little town. Like seven different towns went to my one high school, and there was only three hundred kids in the whole high school. Crazy, right? dude. Seven towns, yeah. one high school, three hundred fifty kids. I think my graduating class was like fifty four kids. And that's seven towns, one yeah. high school. So anyway, tiny, tiny. And I was a total hillbilly when I moved here. I was a total like redneck. You know, not really rednecks. We're more like we're, they, they call us down easters. You know, yeah. the area like lobster fishermen. You know, flannel shirts, overalls, hardworking crew. But like hill, you know, kind of hillbillies. And I ended up marrying a girl on fucking Jersey Shore. Like, yeah. what are the fucking odds of that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. What a but, world. Yeah, yeah, it is wild. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean that is good. The trajectory. Who would think that you'd end up in Jersey? Yeah, you know? crazy, crazy. Fucking hillbilly. It's just boy. being. Life's all about like timing and being in the right place, the right time, and then capitalizing yeah. on things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and luck, right? Or just luck. chance? And just one hundred percent. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, no matter. No matter. You know how I ever look at what I've gone through or my past or whatever, I, I always look at it fondly because my kids are my life, and yeah. I wouldn't have my yeah. kids if if things didn't play out the way they did. Yeah, it's weird yeah, how that so. perspective shift happens. You know, like, man, I wish I'd won that fight. Mm, not really, because then I wouldn't have this, and then that wouldn't have that, and then that. You know, it's a, a weird trickle down. Because things happen for a reason, they say. I don't know if I like that saying, but it's kind of like an easy way to just, you know, make anybody feel good. Oh, things happen for a reason. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know, know, but maybe they do. Yeah. yeah maybe I, they do. I, I, I don't know that I disagree with that because I kind of agree with your sentiment on that, but there is also only so much you can control. You can't control yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, no, for sure. You know what I mean? For so, sure. I th- you know what? I've been looking for a piece of gum I took out of my mouth, and I, I'm sitting on it, and it's all over the couch right now, and it's all on over that, my pants. On that note, we'll, we'll end the episode so Charlie can clean the up mystery, gum. The mystery piece of gum. So whoever sits here next, get an ice cube. You don't have to sign the board now. You, all, yeah, 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 you yeah. left your mark on our couch. Oh, these are new jeans, too. Oh, man. All right. Charlie Brennan, guys. Thank yeah, you so thank much for coming in, brother. Thank you for calling me. It was a blast, Appreciate being here. Thanks, so guys. sign the board if we can get you stuck <laughs> off the couch. <laughs> Just stick your gum on the board. <laughs>